little contingent here, but they're actually next door on Zoom, and you've already seen Trisha there, so uh, lovely to have them there. Um, so this morning, Tony's going to come and speak to us. We're going to um, be studying from uh, continuing in Ecclesiastes um, and going from chapter 9, although Tony's covering a little bit of 8 as well, but we're going from chapter 9. Um, so if you're um, wanting prayer after the service, then John is our person on Zoom this morning. Um, he's available on 07880 um, And so if you, want to, if you want to have prayer, we can't offer that, unfortunately, here in the church. But if you're on Zoom and you want prayer after the service, then please contact John on that number. The number will come up at the end of the service as well. So we have an amazing God, and we want to come this morning and give him praise and thanksgiving. Um, but just a, a quick thing. So, so for some of us, we, we all have birthdays, don't we? Yes? Yes, we all have birthdays. They're all nodding here. I mean, I, I don't know who had a birthday last week. It's amazing. I haven't got a clue. Um, and Though I am taking the view that because 2020 didn't really happen, we're all having the same number this year. That's correct, isn't it? Yes? Yeah, we're all keeping the same number just for one more year, so that's easy enough. But here's, here's a, um, a video from, from BMS about the BMS birthday scheme. Um, and just to say, and I think it actually does explain it, but it doesn't matter whether you're young or old, you can celebrate your birthday through the BMS birthday scheme. Let's just play the video. Well, hey, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. People are singing, you're getting lots of cards and presents. It's all very nice. But what if we flipped it around? I mean, the greatest gift is giving, right? So this year, why not share your birthday with someone on the other side of the world by becoming part of the BMS birthday scheme? Here's how it works. Every year on your birthday, your birthday scheme secretary sends you a card and then you make a donation for BMS Health Ministries. It couldn't be simpler. These guys will tell you more. Hello, I'm Helen Douglas. Mark Hodgkin. Ian Chadwell. Megan Barker. I'm working as a doctor. I'm a doctor. I'm an occupational therapist working for BMS in Health Ministries. And uh, I want to invite you to consider being part of the BMS Birthday Scheme. Through the BMS Birthday Scheme. Every year, BMS raises over £300,000. This money helps to support medical work like mine. It makes our job possible, impacting the lives of the poorest and most vulnerable around the world. There's so much more that we could do in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do something wonderful with your birthday this year by becoming part of the BMS Birthday Scheme. Your gift could restore hope to a spinal injury patient in Nepal, provide a loving home for children with disabilities in Thailand, or help with the safe delivery of a baby in Chad. To find out more, chat to your BMS Birthday Scheme Secretary or visit bmsworldmission.org slash birthday. Thank you. Oh, and have a very happy birthday. So just so people know, um, our BMS birthday coordinator or our BMS coordinator is Inika Kluwer. So if you want to know any more, then please contact Inika.
um, and sign you up. So if you want to get signed up, then please do. Um, oh, and, the, and for the, the people in church, there are forms on your way out. So if you want to, to pick up some forms, then, then they are here as well. Tony, you have a notice to give as well. Thanks, Steve. Uh, a notice for the fellowship here at Heathervale. Uh, we now have uh, details of the funeral service for Joe Dalton, um, and that's going to happen on the 10th of June. So 10th of June, funeral for uh, Joe Dalton. Now, there are two parts to this. One is there is a burial at 10.30 on that morning at Chalfont St Giles, and that service so if you want to be part of that um, then there are two ways you can do that one is um, you can be here but that may be that you need to be in the lounge or you can do it from zoom now we've worked out depending on household numbers that we could probably get 50 in here and I will try and get an extra chair in um, some of the rows because I can move the chairs back out to the wall um, to try and increase the capacity in here but there are friends of Joe that will be attending and so that really sort of fills the sanctuary part so if you don't have the technology and this will go out in the HBC news um, and you want to be here then we will have the lounge as an overflow so you can see it on zoom or alternatively you can zoom it from home um, so either way if you intend to come or you want the zoom link please contact Evelyn and she will pass the link to you or put your name down. Um, but we are going to give priority to those family and friends uh, here in the sanctuary. So just be aware if you want to come that you may be in the lounge watching it on Zoom. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Tony. So let's just pray as we continue on in the service. Father God, we thank you that you are an amazing God, that we come before you this morning with thanksgiving in our hearts because of who you are, because of what you've done for each one of us. So, Lord, help us as we raise our praises to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, for those in the sanctuary, uh, unfortunately, you're not allowed to sing, but you can stand and wave and dance um, and everything else. Uh, and for those at home, you can sing your hearts out, but just make sure you are muted. So let's continue on with, O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand hath made.
Father, how good it is to be loved by an amazing God. Lord, we just want to lift up our praises this morning. Lord, you are an amazing God. You are an awesome God. And so now as we bring our praises to you, Lord, would you just be lifted up? Lord, we want to just thank you and praise you. So we're going to allow you to unmute your microphones and, uh, and give your praises before God. Um, Tony will come around with the, the microphone if you're here in church and you want to uh, speak out your praises. Please raise your hand and Tony will come to be with you. But let's just give glory to God. Let's give our adoration to our Father, to our Savior Jesus. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is an everlasting rock. He keeps in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed on him. The way of the righteousness is level, because the Lord makes their path smooth. Enjoy what the Lord has provided, for it is in your portion. But behold, the Lord is coming forth to punish the wicked, the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquities. Praise the Lord. We, you know, we, we need, basically.
every single time. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've had a technical problem, but um, if you are on Zoom and we're trying to unmute, then please do to give your praises to God. Hopefully we're all fixed now. Yes. Hey. Were they off? What, for the start of the whole service? No. Okay. Did we lose Zoom then? Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. Oh, Father, e even though we might sin against you, uh, which we do quite frequently, I'm sorry, Lord, for that. But Lord, Lord, you just forgive us and you take us back to yourself. And your loving kindness, we just can't, we just can't fathom it, really. It's just so fantastic, so loving. And we just don't deserve it. And we just thank you so much what you've done for us we thank you for jesus we thank you for his death and his resurrection thank you that you brought him back to life and out of your love for him and your love for us so father we just we just praise your name because you are such a wonderful god thank you lord amen Lord, we've just sung how good it is and yet to be loved by you and how inadequate that word is. Just good. It's, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. It's, it's stupendous. It's more than we can ever say um, that we are loved by you, the holy God, the creator of, of the universe, and you love us. We just, again, thank you is, is so inadequate, Lord. We should be falling at your knees and giving you our all, Lord, for that love for each one of us. Thank you. Amen. Lord, we thank you that we know who holds us in the palm of their hand. Lord, we thank you that you are an amazing creator, God. And Lord, we bring our praises to you. And Lord, we know we've had technology problems this morning, but you are still sovereign. Lord, in all the situations that we have, you are still sovereign, Lord. And we give you our praise and our thanksgiving. Lord, we just want to, to pray for our country. Um, Lord, we all are wanting to see rules relax but we want to see things done safely 
Lord, we do pray for those in power who, who have the, the, the decisions to make. Lord, we pray for our country, Lord, with all these the things like the Indian variant coming in. Lord, we pray for protection upon our communities and upon our families and upon our friends. Lord, you, you know what is happening in this world and you are in control of what's happening in this world. And so, Lord, we just pray that people will turn their faces to you, they will hear from you, and that, Lord, you would just be in people's lives right now at their, at their point of need. Well, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, so we're going to move on and have a video from Mark. So good morning, everyone. And today, in our All Age Talk, we're going to be looking at the story of Jonah and God's plan for Jonah's life. So back in the olden days, there was this guy called Jonah. He was a Hebrew, which is just another word for a Jew or an Israelite. So he feared and served God. One day, while Jonah was going about his everyday business, God spoke to him. Jonah, he said, and this took Jonah completely by surprise, and he crashed through his own door. Now, at that time, there was a big city called Nineveh. Nineveh was a very, very bad city, and all the people of Nineveh did very, very bad things. But God loved them, and he wanted them to love him too. God said to Jonah, Go to the city of Nineveh. Tell the people there how much I love them, and that I want them to say sorry for all the bad things that they've done, and turn to me. Tell them that if they don't, I will have no choice but to destroy the city. But Jonah didn't want to go. He thought the people in Nineveh deserved everything that was coming to them, so he ran away. In fact, Jonah got on a ship that was sailing in exactly the opposite direction. But God had chosen Jonah to help him. He'd chosen Jonah to tell the people of Nineveh how much he loved them. And he still wanted Jonah to do this. So while he was on the boat, God raised up a mighty storm. The boat was tossed and turned in the waves and everyone on the ship was really scared and thought that the ship would sink and they would drown. But Jonah knew that God had caused the storm. So he thought that God was really angry with him because he'd chosen his own way. So he said to his shipmates, This is all my fault. God told me to do something and I didn't do it. So he caused this storm. Throw me over the side of the boat and you will be safe. And that's just what they did. And as soon as Jonah hit the water, the storm calmed and the ship was safe. Jonah, on the other hand, was floating in the middle of the sea with no way of getting back to dry land. He thought his time was up. And then, when he thought that things couldn't get any worse, they did. On the horizon, Jonah saw a big fin swimming in the sea. It was massive and Jonah was scared. Gradually, the shadowy shape 
came towards him until, all of a sudden, a massive fish leapt out of the water with its mouth wide open and it swallowed Jonah whole. Jonah sat in the belly of the fish, feeling particularly sorry for himself when a thought occurred to him. How am I still alive? He thought. If God wanted me to die because I disobeyed him, surely I would be dead already. God caused the storm when I was on the ship, and if I'd stayed on the ship, I would have surely died. But when I was thrown into the sea, the ship was safe. Then, if I'd been left floating in the middle of the sea, I would have surely drowned. And here I am, sitting in the belly of a great whale. God must have sent it to save me. God must really want me to go to Nineveh so that he can save the people there too. And do you know what? I'd better do what he says. And as soon as Jonah thought this, the whale swam to the shore and spewed him out on the beach. So off Jonah went to Nineveh. When he got there, Jonah found the people up to their old tricks, cheating each other and stealing, fighting in the streets and rioting. So Jonah ran up to a stage and said in a loud voice, Men and women of Nineveh, look at yourselves and each other. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. God loves you and wants you to love him. You must turn from your wicked ways and turn to God. You must love and care for one another instead of fighting and cheating and stealing. And this will be a sign of your love for the Lord. If you do not do what the Lord God of Israel says, he will destroy the city and everything in it. So the people of Israel listened to Jonah and did what he said. They turned from their wicked ways and put on sackcloth and ashes, which are a sign that they are sorry. They prayed to God for forgiveness. Even the king, in the splendor of his palace, took off his royal robes and finery and wore the sackcloth and ashes. He prayed and humbled himself. And God saved the city of Nineveh. You see, God had a plan, but Jonah didn't really understand it. He couldn't see the big picture. Jonah thought that if he went to Nineveh, the people would just ignore him. Or even worse, they might beat him up or kill him. So he ran away. But God's plan was bigger than Jonah. And God used everything that happened to teach Jonah how much he loved him and everyone in the world, including the people of Nineveh. God was teaching Jonah to trust him. And Jonah realised that through trusting God and doing what he said, he could find peace and fulfillment. And guess what? God has a plan for us too. We might not always understand it, or we might not even be able to see what it is. But we need to learn to trust God. We need to learn that God has everything under control. Even when things get tough, God is with us, just like he was with Jonah. 
And as we trust him, we learn that through our trust and love for God, we find our security and satisfaction. Thanks, Mark. That was amazing, wasn't it? <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, so um, now uh, we're going to be reading from uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 1 to 12, um, and then Tony's going to come and speak to us. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they are doing are in God's hands. But no man knows whether to love or hate awaits him. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with a good man, so with a sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterwards they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for it is now that God favors what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you and under the sun. Whoa, back, sorry. I lost, yes. All your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you are going, there is neither working nor planning, nor knowledge nor wisdom. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to be with swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. Let's just pray for Tony as he comes to speak to us. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is light and life to each one of us. And so now, Lord, as Tony comes to speak, Lord, just open your word up. Help us to hear. Help us to respond. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Steve and Alison, for leading us in some lovely songs that um, sort of draw us to the place where we are in Ecclesiastes. And for Mark, for sharing the story of Jonah, um, you'll see how it fits, hopefully, by the, by the end of this. Um, so, um, because of um, chapter 9 starts off, uh, I reflected on this. What is he reflecting on? And uh, therefore, when I read that bit, I then went back to chapter 8. And you can see how um, Solomon reflects on this uh, passage uh, in the previous chapter. So I'm going to cover chapter 8 and chapter 9, verses 1 to 12. But I only asked Steve to read um, 9, 1 to 12. 
Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I um, look at uh, a passage um, and read it, uh, especially if I'm doing the sermon, um, my mind sort of wanders to things. Uh, I don't know whether yours does the same. Um, And you probably are not even on the same wavelength as I am when uh, my mind wanders. Because when I read chapter 8 and this bit of chapter 9, my mind um, went to an advert. And I normally switch channels during adverts. I really just don't like them. But um, this one just happened to capture me and um, just sort of reflected that this is what this passage is all about. And you may remember it if you like adverts. Um, And it's the um, advert uh, about pension, being pension-wise. And uh, this particular advert was where someone had trusted someone to um, take their pension and to use it wisely and to obviously increase it. However, they were scammed. They were scammed. And uh, the scammer had taken everything that this person had worked for over their working life. And uh, they were now enjoying life on a jet ski. Now, I don't know if you remember this particular advert that's now on the screen. So he's enjoying life uh, in the sun on this jet ski at the expense of someone else. He had everything. They had worked hard for everything, but lost everything to someone who was doing bad. And that is a sort of a summary of this particular passage. So I don't know about you, but uh, certainly for me, sometimes I think this world is very unfair. If you're a good person and you do good things, you expect good things to happen to you. But if you're a bad person and you do bad things, perhaps you wouldn't expect bad things to happen to you, but uh, often that's not the case. So it seems that the better you are, the better your life should go. And that's not what Solomon is saying in this passage. And we know that that's not how it works in this fallen world in which we live in. Good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people. And we all know people that fit into both categories. And uh, my mind, uh, again, went to one particular family in the church who just do so much good, are just faithful to God, and yet every single time something bad happens to them or someone in their family. And you think, why? Why is God allowing this to happen? But I'm sure we all know um, different people who try to do everything right, but they have nothing but trouble in their lives. And on the other side, of course, those that constantly do bad, things seem to go well for them. So Solomon is reflecting on on these issues, and uh, in the previous chapter, chapter 8, and uh, in chapter 7 as well. So if you want to read those as well, that will be good. And uh, he comes to the conclusion that no matter whether we are good or whether we are bad, we are all heading for the same fate, and the same fate is to die. When we die is out of our control. It is totally in the hands of God. 
Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 8, it says this, no one has power over the time of their death. We may think we have, but we don't. Only God has that power. So the length of our lives is in God's hands. And only there is nothing we can do to extend it by any amount of things that we might do here on earth. God is sovereign and is in control and is in control of our lives, just as he was in control of Jonah's life when he asked him to go to Nineveh. So this poses then a number of questions about why God allows things to happen in the world and to us. Mostly, of course, we question the bad things, don't we? When bad things happen to us, we ask God why. How often do we ask God why when good things happen to us? And I have to put my hand up and say, I do it more on the bad things than I do on the good things. I just take for granted all the good things that God gives to me. So like in this current pandemic that we're going through, and we see, uh, glad it's all reducing now the number of deaths and the number of infections, the number of hospitals, which is all good. But when you look at that death figure for the UK only, and then add that to around the world, what a, what a bad thing. How did God allow that to happen in our, our world? I'm sure we've all got why questions about things that have happened to us, things that have happened in our families, to our friends, that perhaps when we see him face to face, we'll ask him the question, why did you allow this to happen? But there's another side of me that says, perhaps I won't need to ask, because I'll know. All things will be made clear to me, and I won't need to ask God, why did you allow that to happen? Because I'll know. So I hold on to that, that one day I'll know. But I've got the why question still ready, just in case. You see, we see things very blinkered. We have a very blinkered picture of the present and what we think the future will hold. But God looks at a bigger picture. He sees everything and he sees the future and he knows exactly what is going to happen. So for me, and I'm sure for you, it is a question. Do we trust God with our lives or don't we? Even in the bad things, as well as the good things, do we trust him or not? You see, even in this pandemic, and, and you can read and you can hear things, that things are changing, that there are people around the world because of this pandemic who are turning to God, who are turning to Jesus Christ as the answer to their needs. So out of a something bad, something good is coming and has come. The more people are being added to the kingdom, which is amazing, absolutely amazing. But Solomon goes on to say in, in, in chapter 8 and verse 4, since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him, what are you doing? And uh, when we think about, um, you know, in government today, 
you know, the, the Labour Party moaning at the Conservatives, what do you think you're doing? You did that all wrong. Uh, and I'm sure had it been the other way around, we'd have got exactly the same from the other side. But you see, we need to trust and have confidence in God that he knows what he's doing. He absolutely knows what he's doing. And he knows what he is allowing to happen in his creation. It's his creation. It's not ours. It's his. But what he allows to happen, he allows to happen to the good as well as to the bad. In Ecclesiastes 8 verse 6, it says this, For there is a proper time and procedure for every matter, though a person may be weighed down by misery. And we heard uh, a few weeks ago about there is a time for this and a time for that as we went through that particular poem uh, from Ecclesiastes. So when we became a Christian, did God promise us good things? Well, the answer is no, he didn't. He actually said that because you believe in me, it will go worse for you. That we will suffer. We will suffer trials. We will suffer persecution because of him. So he didn't promise us good things. He promised us not such good things. You see, we, are, we live in a fallen world. And while we're just passing through on our way to glory with him, we are subject to the things of this world, both the good and the bad. But the good news is that God loves us and he cares for us, and he wants the best for us. Even though, at times, we may have to suffer. But the good news is all this will come to an end one day, when Jesus comes again, and we go to be with him in a new heaven and a new earth. And in Revelation 21, verse 4, it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. See, there's a tendency to assume that those in authority, and certainly in, in our country and around the world, that they possess the wisdom to do the right things. And yet we know that is not true. Because those in authority, those in power, have the power to do great good or they have the power to do great harm. And we can see that in different countries around the world as the things that are happening at the moment. See, at one end of the spectrum, uh, there are those in power and government who are elected by the people. And of course, on the other side, there are those who try to squash any attempt to change to a democratic method of government, the dictators of this world who just want everything and give nothing. And this is why Solomon is concerned that those who would advise the king do so with wisdom and care. You see, often we sort of want to tell God what he should be doing. And if we wouldn't go and tell a king what they should or shouldn't be doing, 
we sort of have no right to tell God what he should be doing. He knows what he's doing and he wants good for everyone. But Solomon is also, in, in this passage, observe that many people are inclined towards evil. And I think we would all, all agree with that. And the reason that is, is because they assume that God is slow to punish. And therefore, they also wrongly assume that there will be no punishment at all. For this guy on his jet ski, enjoying life to the full at somebody else's expense, thinks there isn't going to be a time when he has to account for what he's done. And when accounting for what he's done, may have to pay the price of whatever that might be. But even though a sinner extend his life through evil, only those who fear God can hope in him. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, not in anything that this world has to offer. Because it says, for all must eventually go to the dead in chapter 9, verse 3. Go to the dead. No matter what we've done in this life, we will all die. Unless Jesus comes back again before that happens. So what is important is not what happens here on earth, but what happens for eternity. And that's the key. You see, one day we will all stand before God to be judged for what we have done or even what we have not done. For those who believe there will be no judgment, for those who believe that there will be no judgment or penalty for the bad that they have done, are going to find out when it's too late that it does matter, that they have to account for what they have done. So Solomon, having given all the bad news, has some advice. And uh, his advice to us is to work hard and enjoy life whenever possible. That's what he's saying in these chapters. Do not trust in your own talent. Do not trust in the wealth that this world has to offer. You don't trust in your intelligence. Don't trust in your strength. Why? because they'll all fade away and count for nothing. But trust only in God, because he is the one, the only one, that holds our eternal destiny. All mankind is subject to the same fate of decay and death. But those who fear God and put their trust in him have their hope in him now and for eternity. See, death is inevitable. And it's coming to all, regardless of whether we're good or bad. And we're reminded by Paul in Romans and by God in Genesis that the wages of sin is death. And Romans 6, verse 23, and uh, Genesis 2, verse 17 says this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Genesis, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And of these two uh, passages, I really love the one in Romans 6, because I can relate to it. You know, I, I get my head around it, that the wages of sin is death. See, in the secular world, when I was working, um, I worked um, officially from eight till four, but uh, it was often seven till a lot later. And at the end of the month, I expected to be paid for what I'd done. So there was a remuneration for what I had done. So I can get my head around that. And if that's the case, I want paying for what I've done. Why should, why should I think it's unfair that God punishes for the bad things that someone's done? But he says in, uh, in Romans that the wages of sin is death. So I can hardly say if I have not believed in Jesus Christ and all I've done in my whole life is be bad and take what I can from whoever, regardless of the consequence. How can I say it's unfair that I'm now going to be punished for what I did? It doesn't weigh up in my mind. However, there is good news. And the good news is that God gives us eternal life as a gift. It's free of charge. We don't have to do anything other than believe in him. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But God gives it freely to each one of us. And he does it through Christ's death and resurrection. And we know that death has lost its sting and we have the victory over it through Jesus Christ. And we know, for those that are Christians, we know that someday Jesus will reconcile us to God. Reversing completely the curse of the fall. And we affirm with Paul in his letter to the Philippians that to die is gain. It's not the end. But to die is gain, because we gain eternal life with Jesus Christ. And as you read uh, Paul's letters, you find that he's sort of fighting himself, weighing up. And he's torn between staying here on earth and carrying out what God has asked him to do, or to die and go to be with him in glory for eternity. He's trying to weigh up what's the best option. And he knows the best option is an eternity with Jesus Christ. He knows that it's a much better place. But he also recognises that it's what God wants. It's God's timing when he will die. It's, our, it's God's timing when we will die and go to be with him in glory. And Jesus, earlier than Paul, when talking to Lazarus's sisters, said in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though he die. Those who put their trust in Jesus are destined for a better place. When this, when this will be is not in our hands, but it's in God's hands. So, having accepted 
uh, our, that our lives and the length of our lives are in the hand of God? How should we live out our time here on earth under the sun? And we find the answers uh, in verses 7 to 10. So you've had all the bad news. We're all going to die. Now the good news. And the good news is, what should we do while we're here on earth? Well, the good news is found in verses 7 to 10. And I apologize for those that are at home if this is too small. But a summary of these two verses says, eat, drink, and be merry. It's not bad, is it? So I've told you you're going to die. Now the good news, eat, drink, and be merry. In Ecclesiastes, it says, go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So in the face of all this vanity, all this meaningless under the sun, Solomon commends us to enjoy life to the full and to enjoy it with all that God has provided to us and for us. And Solomon repeats this throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. So this enjoyment uh, is an enjoyment of food and drink as the provision of God in an otherwise undependable world that is beyond human control. And this theme started in the Garden of Eden, so it shouldn't be surprising that Solomon is uh, agreeing with it, which God provided the food uh, for Adam and Eve and invited them to enjoy, to eat and to drink. What an amazing, gracious provision that comes in its richest fullness in Jesus Christ, who throughout his ministry was not far away from having food and drink with those he came into contact with. The, the New Testament is full of occasions where Jesus spent time eating and drinking. Just to name some of them very quickly, he changed water into wine. And not only water into wine, but the best wine that anyone had ever tasted. He fed the multitudes who'd come to hear him with just a few loaves and fish. He enjoyed the Last Supper with his disciples. And post-resurrection, you remember, their breakfast on the beach after they'd been out fishing again. So Jesus wasn't far from food and drink. But there is a greater feast to come. And Steve reminded us of this when he prayed. That the bride and the bridegroom will come together at the wedding feast of the Lamb. What an amazing feast that is going to be. Far better than any wedding reception we've ever been to. This is an amazing feast. When the bride and the bridegroom, Christ and his church, come together and we should all look eagerly look forward to attending that banquet but God has made us uh, so that we don't just eat to live he's made us to enjoy it 
And here in this country, he's provided us with some amazing provision, hasn't he? You know, we have a variety of fruit, vegetables, fish, meats, spices, all sorts of things. And of course, we import an awful lot of it as well, I know that, uh, for our enjoyment. See, there's something nice, isn't there, about sitting down to dinner and taking a couple of hours over a three or four course meal? If you're my son, he can devour that in about five minutes. You know, he's finished and we're just cutting up everything else, you know, into nice little bits so we can have a bit of everything. He just, mmm, I think he can't taste anything. He just eats it and swallows it. But there's something about enjoying good food and good company. So Solomon goes on to say in verse 8, always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. And in Solomon's time, white garments were a symbol of purity. They were also a symbol of joy. In other words, enjoy what you're doing and dress for the occasion. So the right clothes for the right occasion. You see, if you're going out running, like I used to do, it's trainers, shorts, and a T-shirt. But if I was on a cruise and it's formal night, you know, it's the uh, tuxedo and uh, dress for the occasion. You know, you wouldn't reverse that. I wouldn't go out running in a tuxedo, would I? Or a dinner suit, as we're in England, a dinner suit or a black tie. Uh, Neither would I go to a posh Queen's dinner party wearing shorts and T-shirt and trainers. I don't know whether anyone would try to do that and been turned away. I don't know. But dress for the occasion, but enjoy the occasion. That's what Solomon is asking us to do. That's what God is telling us to do. Enjoy life. And he goes on to say, another way to enjoy life is to enjoy the wife whom you love. Now, I appreciate not everybody is married, and I appreciate not everybody has a wife. But it's about contentment with what we've got. And we should not give up until we find enjoyment in pleasure uh, and contentment in the marriages we have. This does not always come easy, but it's worth working hard at and making happen. Just after I got married, um, a good Christian friend bought me a book and uh, said, you need to read this. And it's a Christian book, and it's, do yourself a favor, love your wife. The key is in the title. Do yourself a favor, love your wife. If you want things to go well, then you need to work at it and make it happen. I enjoyed reading the book and I tried wherever possible to put that into practice. And finally, Solomon says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. And there is a saying that says, if a job is worth doing, it's worth doing well. There is a feeling of great joy and satisfaction and accomplishment that comes from a job well done. And I thought that, as my daughter had asked me to wallpaper her room with cloud wallpaper, and as I wallpapered the room, and I surveyed the scene and thought, what a good job I've done, and she comes in and says, Dad, why have you done it upside down? 
I was looking at it like from a plane where the clouds are below you. She was looking at it that she was looking up at the clouds. So to her, I'd done it upside down. To me, I thought I'd done a brilliant job at wallpapering. If you go into my house now, you will not find one piece of wallpaper anywhere on any wall. I've painted them all. I can't get that wrong. It's impossible to paint upside down, I think. But nevertheless, it was a job worth doing, and I thought I'd done it well, to the best of my ability, even if I got it upside down, the best of my ability. You see, we should be doing this for an audience of one, our Heavenly Father. It doesn't matter how good the end product is, as long as we put our all into doing the best job we can do. So, in summary, Solomon teaches us that God has determined our lot in life, and we bring glory to him when we are thankful and joyful for the everyday things that he gives us. And just the final slide, contentment with our circumstances is really contentment with God. So if you remember nothing else, remember that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that as your children, you care for us so much and you want the best for us. And yet we recognize we live in a fallen world and we are subject to the things of this world. But we know we're only passing through, that our eternal destiny is with you in a new heaven and a new earth. So as we go through this week, and we see perhaps the good things and also the bad things, that we will acknowledge that you are in control and that you are almighty God. This is your creation and you will do with it exactly as you wish. So help us, Lord, just to share the good news of eternity with Jesus Christ to all those that we come into contact with that many more will have that contentment in you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know we've had some technical issues for those on Zoom, those in the church. You wouldn't have noticed anything, um, but there has been some technical issues. But I think, are we all back on to normal? Right, and uh, you should all be able to see the screens now. Apologies for, for those um, at home who weren't able to see the slides. Um, hopefully we can sort that out for the future for you. Right, so let's finish with, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart bless your name. the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart. Bless your name, bless your name, Jesus. And the deeds of the day and the truth in my way. Speak of you, speak of you, Jesus. For this is what I'm glad to do. It's time to live a life of love that pleases you, and I will give my all to you. 
So just a reminder there on the screen that if you want some prayer after the service, then please contact John on 07880-081635. Let me just pronounce a blessing over us. Father God, we thank you for your mercy, your grace, for your love, for the fact that one day we'll feast with you. Lord, thank you for the enjoyment you give us in life. And Lord, as we go out into this week, Lord, we just ask that you would just fill our hearts with joy with um, an ability to tell others about you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.